0: Are you? Everybody and welcome back to your favorite podcast about new metal. This is the POD cast. This is episode number 40. Wow. Seems like too many episodes. I'm John. And with me is a man who would kill for it. He would lie just to lick a bit. It's Brian Quinby.
1: That's the best song, baby.
0: That's the <laughs> song. that got me into Sepultura. <laughs>
1: we're fucking being su- honest here
0: well i'm surprised you're you're uh you know you sort of made it clear that you're a little more of a of a sucking titties man than an eating pu- well not that you're not an eating pussy guy but you know yeah, I, mean. I do
1: it both baby i do it all <laughs> my mouth is fucking ready for anything whatever comes up whatever i'll kiss comes- i'll suck a titty <laughs> i'll lick an ass i don't care <laughs> let's fucking get it on baby <laughs>
0: Well, hey, welcome to the show. If this is your first time listening, this is mostly what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, I, I have to say this is uh, this is episode 40. We are over three years into this show, and it sort of feels like this episode is really uh, a kind of a dream situation for you. You have been trying and trying to get this album Reviewed this month, we're covering Sepultura's roots. We're going to get into the album in a bit, but just how good did it feel for you when you finally saw
1: Sepultura take down a pole? Dude, when I woke up this morning and put this album on, I I was just losing it in my kitchen while I was making my peanut butter and banana toast. You know, I was fucking I just, I started it right when I got out of bed and there's that part of roots, bloody roots, like the breakdown. And it's just like impossible not to go fucking wild to it. So yes, I'm very excited. So now, you woke
0: you woke up and I you will, were going
1: wild. Yeah, I will. I will say this. I didn't, I don't think when I put it up, I, and I don't want to start out this way. This is not the <laughs> way I wanted to start. Okay. Well, I was trying to. So I you wanted to for, like, start talking stuff. about pussies. I wanted to start out talking about pussies. And we did. And we titties. did. Do, we did do that. that I know, but that was like only a second. What? How long have we been? You want to talk? About, you want to talk
0: about that more? No.
1: Well, I mean, I will. I don't mind talking about it. Hey, everybody! I'm a fucking sex positive. You know? you're, a, you're a, I'm a sex positive. Yeah, that's what they say now. In the in activist circles, like uh, like uh, sex positive, <laughs> like sex positive is a noun. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what they call it. That is what they call it. I am yeah, a sex positive. It's this is the December show Uh, before yep. the bonus show. So this is technically the Christmas show. It is and, technically uh, the Christmas show. Yeah, I've been handed a great Christmas present. And that I got to listen to Roots for the first time in like two decades. Yeah. And it held up for me. And it is really fucking funny that this album, especially when you, you know, it's hard to goof on like the interviews and stuff because the guy was like, well, it's not hard to goof on the interviews. It's I never heard. I'm going to goof It's never. On. It's
0: never hard to goof on the interviews. Yeah.
1: But I will say that like you get this album that is 99.9% about like indigenous brazilian culture and they're using like and like all these different forms of percussion they're they're recording with with uh, 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 indigenous people in Brazil, they spend three days with a uh, indigenous tribe out there, and they do all this stuff. And then there's just this one song on it about eating pussy. That is, v- <laughs> it's just such a funny. That's such a funny. There's sixteen fucking songs on this album, and fifteen of them are one thing, and then one of them is just a, a very, song about pussy. it's a very opposite thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. But I like, think that's I, cool. Yeah, you're. You're. It. it is cool in a way where, like, I do wonder if, because that song features Jonathan Davis and Mike Patton, and I do wonder if they just had them in studio and they were sort of like, you know, let's see what direction this song goes. they like, hey, Mike Patton, we kind of have been, uh, you know, Jonathan Davis, we've sort of been doing this kind of Brazilian tribal thing, you know, so we were sort of thinking this song would maybe be about... The revolution, you know, uh, overthrowing the government, you know, that kind of thing. What do you guys think? Jonathan Davis is like, I don't know, man. I got some pretty good sex last night. Uh, maybe I'll just can we sing about that instead? Like I do. I I fully believe that that Max got talked
1: into it. You know, I believe that Jonathan Davis, which this week, actually, I hate to go to this so far, but people that don't listen don't have the Patreon uh don't listen to to the y'all wanna singles uh won't know this, but this is the second month in a row we've run into Jonathan Davis being a prick, and like that was the thing that struck me so heavily for for people that don't listen to the patreon shows and the, specifically the singles shows we did Mars out the cage uh, yeah, and it sucks <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> listen of, to it don't yeah one of the wor- one of the worst songs ever made but when you when we read a little bit about it Jonathan he had been signed to elementary records which was Jonathan Davis's imprint uh which it just means like it's really just co-signing the the yeah. imprint thing back then it was it was kind of like oh yeah you know there's this uh uh Papa Roach has an imprint uh, on a label and it's like yeah it it's basically just Another way to be like, Hey, I like this band. And I would say a full, I would say it's gotta be like 90% of the time. It doesn't work like for the band at all to be signed. I can't, I can think of one where it worked and that's orgy and I think they might have hit no matter what, because, well, of yeah, Jake we know and his dad.
0: Shit. Yeah. We know that they were kind of industry plants in a bit of a way.
1: Yeah. So like Jonathan Davis has this guy Mars on his imprint, probably signs him because he was a part of ministry would be my guess. Yeah. And uh, he's doing this rap thing, but he, he, he works with ICP sometimes. And Jonathan Davis was like, well, if you want to be on my label, you got to stop working with ICP. Or something like that. It's like, what a fucking dick. Like, who cares? That's his job. You know, your job is to say... Your job is to, like, make the logo that I put on the back of the CD (laughs) really small next to Interscope or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, the third stamp on the back of a fucking thing. Like, I don't... And Mars is like, yeah, I guess. You know, I gotta get... I gotta turn on ICP now. And it's like... This week, and we, we, we will talk about it more. Jonathan Davis is bitching because he, th- he, he says that this album ripped off corn. Now, if this is the only Sepultura album you've ever heard, I would say that you would think that they ripped off corn or whatever. But if you've ever listened to Chaos AD... They're headed in this direction on that album before the corn album comes out. Like they were headed in this direction. I think corn tuning down and slowing down definitely influenced them, but it doesn't feel like they ripped off corn at all when I listen to this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think so either. I, d- it, It's uh, and it's not just Jonathan Davis who says, I mean, we can talk about this article now because I think it's like a fun tee up for actually talking about Sepultura. So this was and it was weird because Jonathan Davis says this in 2016. So this is from a Blabbermouth article in 2016. And Jonathan Davis admitted uh, that he thought Sepultura's 1996 album Roots was a blatant corn ripoff. When he was asked if he's proud of the band's corn has inspired over its 23 year career, the singer told Metal Hammer. Yeah, Slipknot were inspired by what we did, but they took it and did their own thing, which is fucking amazing. One that I thought was a big compliment, but I also thought was fucked up, was Sepultura's Roots album. That was just a blatant corn ripoff, and I had it out with producer Ross Robinson about that, because he just took our sound and gave it to Sepultura. My young brain couldn't handle it, but they were one of our biggest influences, so I guess they get a pass. And that's a classic album, so it's all good.
1: (laughs) Oh, they get a pass. They made a great album. And also, uh, I mean, really, okay. Like this is good. To, this is a good way to get into this. Yeah, that's I, what I, I think do so, agree. Yeah. Because let me just say that, like, okay, Corn's uh, first album comes out, and then, as I've said before, there's nothing for like, you know, Deftones are out for sure, and probably in L.A. and Sacramento. Deftones are part of the movement. It's not as part of the movement and stuff like that. But nothing comes out for for two years that gets to me in the Midwest or whatever. So, like, this album comes out. It's got Jonathan Davis on it, which is, you know, I got excited. I mean, because it's like nobody else was doing anything like this. So, like, it came out at the time when this stuff was like, uh, uh, barely kicking off. And like, I also think, and I've said this a lot about street fight at times. It's like, there was this, there was this period of like three years where, where we were the only ones really doing it. And then, You know, Chapo came out and then a few other people came out and then it was like, okay, so now there's a scene which makes it better for me, because now that there's a scene, I'm part of a thing. And then like it becomes easy for people to filter into this, the thing, like as there's like a list of shows that do this thing and uh, we can be part of it. And like corn could have gone nowhere you know, without some of these bands hitting without Limp Biscuit, without Deftones. And I think Sepultura was the first band to do it where it was like, Oh, okay. This feels like a real fucking thing now. Like now I know, I remember just thinking now I know what kind of music I like when I heard roots. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. It seems like, <clears throat> it seems like what Jonathan Davis is specifically referencing is also a quote that uh, head gave in a 1996 November 1996 interview, where he was upset because I guess he had a uh, a guitar pedal that he had modified. It was a big muff pedal that he had modified and used uh, when recording on Corn and Life Is Peachy. And Ross Robinson gave that pedal to Sepultura, um, and so they fucking used
1: cares. it
0: and they used it. Oh, I, I, I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, that seems I'm to be you. like, I could totally understand, I guess, from that perspective, like, you know, I, I guess what I would say is I'm not defending Jonathan Davis. I'm not, this is really my first major exposure to Sepultura doing this, doing this review, but it seemed interesting to me. Uh, like, I, I guess what I would say is, you know, you're talking about Street Fight and, and how that sort of begat Chapo and, and other sort of dirtbag left podcasts or however you want to call it. But it's not like Chapo just stole a bunch of your segments. Like, I feel like that's kind of what Korn felt like. Like, it would be like if someone took Blocked Party and they were like, oh, we're we're really inspired by Block Party. We love that. And then they ended all of their episodes with the top three and they yeah. had a social media update or where you would feel like, well, wait a minute. That's what that's like literally the exact thing we're doing. I'm sure at the time, and like Jonathan Davis said in 96, like they're all young guys. We know corn are not the smartest guys. So like probably part of it is you you hear and you, and especially if you're already influenced by Sepultura, where you're already looking up to them. It was clear they were influenced. Corn was influenced by Chaos AD and and other Sepultura stuff you know, um, I think you hear your own sound, like literally, like you modified this pedal, you made this pedal and you hear it on the album. I can see how in the moment you would be like, what the fuck? Like it it would almost be like, if after Chapo came out, then street fight, you guys went around the horn and tried to sort of do something that Chapo was doing. Like that would have been very weird. (laughs) That would be, that would have been a weird experience for the Chapo guys to be like, wait a minute, we love the street fight guys. And they kind of helped us get together and get this thing started. But now they're kind of doing what we're doing. And that's sort of weird. Like, you know, they're recognizing we're bigger. So we're kind of doing it. Like, again, I don't, it's, it's funny to me because I think, I was coming to this album with basically as fresh of ears as you can. I mean, I've heard Roots Bloody Roots before. Obviously, I've heard some Soulfly. I've heard Max on a few, you know, he obviously um shows up on a few different tracks uh for other bands that we listen to. Like I'm familiar with Sepultura, but they were never a band I went out of my way to to cover or sorry, to listen to. And then when we covered it for this show, so like I said, I'm coming into it with just basically as fresh of ears as you can have at no point during my first listen did I think, oh, this is ripping off Corn." Like, that did not occur to me at all until I started digging into the articles and and reading, like, Sepultura obviously have big fans because their Wikipedia entries are as long as any new metal band we've ever covered. (laughs) Like, people are obviously very, very into this band. They're a very important band. But I was sort of shocked to see that that was one of the themes that came up, like on the Sepultura Wikipedia, then obviously this article. When I was listening to it, I did not get the sense that this was copying corn. I got the sense of, oh, this is like a what I would think of as like a true new metal album. You know, you and I talk about that a lot on the show, where we sort of, you know, what sort of constitutes a true new metal album? What are albums you would show people if you wanted to tell people like, Hey, what if someone asked you what is new metal? What albums would you show them? I think this is close to the top of the list for me. But I wouldn't have thought of it like, oh, because it sounds like corn. I just thought of it of like, oh, this is sort of emblematic of the time period. Yeah, I
1: I think that I I agree with that. Like that's it's interesting because I'm I'm trying to think of like, of course, like in that in that time this kind of just sound like, cause there is like something that's different in like Pantera was still doing their thing when this happened and didn't get classified as new metal because they're not, that's not the music they're making. And Metallica was, well, they were in the load time. So I don't even know if you can call that metal at that. Well, I guess we can. And uh, these guys I don't think there's anything wrong with sort of just going where you're going. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with just making the decision to go forward or to do stuff that's inspired by other stuff. Now, if Max could quit fucking saying that they're not, Oh, well, you know, uh, I'm trying to always do something different. If I wasn't doing something different, then I would just quit doing music is like, that's where the problem comes in because it's like, there is, I, again, in in my experience, actually, there's, there's never been, I've never had an issue with the other podcasts that ended up coming out that were like mine that are, that are more (laughs) successful than mine. I, I, whatever, man, more power to you. Um, but like I I think like the thing that helped me with all of that was to understand like a a scene is good and corn was being very strange. And I would fucking love it if somebody that I looked up to ripped off my shit. <laughs> like that would be fucking cool, man. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do wonder
0: if part of it too, and, and we've sort of seen this when we have covered corn in the past. They seem very susceptible to what's happening around them or outside of them, you know? And so I, I do wonder if part of it is everybody's telling Corn they've created this new thing, right? So it's like the self-titled comes out in 94, Life is Peachy comes out in 96 and people are saying, well, Corn's invented a new category of music. And I wonder, you know, especially if you're younger and, And as we said, Korn seems pretty susceptible to what people say about them. I just wonder if they were sort of buying their own hype to like an absurd degree at this time where they were sort of like, yeah, we invented this style of music and we're going to be the only people who make this music. And then I think (laughs) by the time Follow the Leader comes around, the music becomes so big that you sort of have no choice but to accept it, really, right, where you sort of have have to be like, well... This is a popular form of of entertainment so of course it's going to be ripped off.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess like in that period of, I guess like I can look at Jonathan Davis's side of the argument and say like I'm doing this thing this band that is bigger than us even if they're not at the time they were. But uh, especially a band that's perceived as bigger than them uh is doing this thing now. I think in my mind because I don't have a and I don't angrily look at what everybody else is doing. In my mind I'd be like, "Well, that means what I'm doing is successful." But I guess like if you're if you're head and Jonathan Davis and you're like, "Well, now there's a band that is like <laughs> now we're this new band that is is coming out there and now this established band is stealing our sound and could just end up being the sound, yeah, you know yeah. like the the that I could see them getting nervous and being like, well, people are gonna think Sepultura came up with this, and that's gonna be a problem, you know, but i I think worrying about that shit is i mean that it's just a pointless it's it's a waste of worry, but when you're twenty six you worry about a lot of pointless shit. <laughs> Well, and I think too, it
0: seems to be, and, and Jonathan Davis sort of brings it up, and obviously this is probably an issue with head too, is I it almost seems like the problem is more with Ross Robinson than it is with
1: mm-hmm. than
0: it is with Sepultura, that it's sort of like, Oh, well, you're the you're the producer and you're just going to use the equipment you used for our record, and you're going to use the recording techniques you used for our record, and like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And I again, I don't really get that. Cause I think that's kind of how producers work. Like if you go to Rick Rubin's studio, he's going to have a snare drum that he used on 20 other records. And he's going to have a guitar amp that he used on 10 mm-hmm. other records. Like that's how producing is Ross is starting to get bigger in the space. So he's starting to, yeah, have his own equipment and do his own thing. But I do wonder if that was a bit, a, a, a part of it as well, where, I think Korn sort of saw Ross as the sixth member of their band and they sort of brought Ross up too, right? Like he wasn't anything until he made the Korn record and he admits that like, you know, we we when we covered the self titled record three years ago that's all Ross Robinson could say basically was that he had absolutely no idea what he was doing and they were all kind of learning together. So I think there's also maybe that sense too of like Ross is our guy and, and now he's going to work with other people. And that's good for Ross, but it's kind of, you know, they wanted to be protective. It's like when Dan went to work with YKS, I was like, you got to be, you got to be fucking kidding me, Dan. Are you using this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. You're fired.
1: You're fired. (laughs) No. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt the same way when Dan started working with YKS, too. I was kind of like, this guy. You know, I thought he was exclusive to my once-a-month podcast, okay? Um, but he's not, okay? He sometimes is going to work with other people. But Ross Robin also, if Corn is pissed off at Ross Robinson, why? Because this came out between Self-Titled and Life is Peachy. So they fucking used him again right after this and then and then uh now i'm gonna be a fucking asshole and say then they use didn't they use terry date after that who corn uh, oh yeah corn's used terry date yeah on on follow the leader though right uh
0: yeah i think so
1: it was terry date on follow the leader and terry date on adrenaline if i'm no, not was, mistaken
0: uh, no it was produced by uh follow the leader is steve thompson and toby Wright. But Terry date did do an album with corn. Let me. Let yeah, me get that it, doesn't uh, make
1: my point, though. So let's not even bring that up.
0: You know, Okay. Fuck that. I won't. I won't. I won't bring it up.
1: Yeah. Let's fucking go. Dan, Dan edit that out, please. <laughs> yeah,
0: he, sure. he, Terry date didn't work with corn until see you on the other side. Randomly. Okay,
1: well, they ripped off deftones, you know, when they got to see it on the other side.
0: Terry Date yeah. did well, all I, the did all the Deftones records I think until Saturday Night Wrist. Um yeah, yeah. he did yeah, he did the self-titled uh and and back for Deftones. Self-titled, White Pony, Around the Fur, and Adrenaline he did. And then he also did uh Terry Date worked with Limp Bizkit. I think is what
1: you're thi- he did Terry Date did significant other. Oh, that's right. So Fuck. I think that's what you,
0: I think that's what you were
1: thinking of, yeah. Yeah, that hurt my argument though. So I don't like it. Okay. Um well, you but know, yeah, we can. I, uh, I think, like being Soulfly worked with producer. Terry D too. If that uh <laughs> <laughs> if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> well, that's a funny thing about Max saying this isn't a new metal album. It's like, motherfucker, <laughs> have you ever listened to Soulfly? <laughs> have you ever listened to that first Soulfly album? It could not be more new metal. Yeah, he basically if- quit Sepultura to do more new metal to well, be more now new metal. You didn't get to ask me the question. That you asked me at the beginning of these shows. So I think we got to go back now to well, start at the beginning when you asked me about, what is about my, your history? Okay, pussy well, and we'll, history. well,
0: we'll get there. We'll get there. I haven't actually teed up this album yet, Brian.
1: That's a good point. That yeah, yeah. Because I I do. I, my history with this album is one of the most tragic histories of any of the albums. Okay. Well, so, let's well let's get to it. Let's then. do it. So
0: we've we've covered uh, we covered corn. We covered their relationship to Sepultura. Let's talk about the actual album that we are reviewing this month, which is Roots by Sepultura. Now I didn't know this. Brian Sepultura has been around since 1984, uh, which yeah. is insane. A long, very long running band. Roots was their sixth studio album, and I believe to date it is their biggest. It sold over two million copies worldwide. It has gone gold in... Australia, Austria, Canada, France, Netherlands, the UK and the USA. It peaked at number 27 on the US Billboard 200 and at number one on the UK rock and metal albums chart and number four on the overall UK albums chart, which is very impressive. It also uh, charted in the top 10 in a, in a great deal of European countries. I won't read them all, uh, but there's a lot. Uh, it uh, it even ended the year-end charts in Austria, the Netherlands, Germany, and Europe as a whole in the top 100 uh, in 1996. So a huge record, uh, certainly, for Sepultura. Uh, it was released on February 20th, 1996 in Europe and March 12th, 1996 in the USA. It was recorded in Malibu, California with Ross Robinson, released on Roadrunner. It begat three singles, Roots, Bloody Roots, Attitude, and Rata Mahata uh it was uh very well received and still is to this day it was uh in the book the collector's guide to heavy metal roots is listed as the 11th best metal record of all time uh by arthur martin popoff who is a well known uh metal critic uh Kerrang has uh given Roots second place in the list of 100 records that you have to hear before dying Q magazine named Roots, one of the 50 heaviest albums of all time, Rolling Stone Brazil named it as the 57th best Brazilian album ever, which is crazy for a new metal album. And metal hammer has it at number 17 on their list of the 50 best new metal albums of all time. So obviously has a a noted legacy and uh, is uh, to this day still one of the most beloved new metal albums. And as you said, Brian, or as we alluded to, the last Sepultura record with Max Cavalera, uh, who departed the band after this recording. And another fun fact I learned about Sepultura when I was researching this album, they are still going. None of the original members are in the band. I have no idea. I have no idea how things like that happen. uh, But uh, you know what? I look forward to uh hosting Street Fight Radio in a few years from now. Cool. And uh Stefan and I will fully move on from Block Party and we'll be the new hosts of Street Fight Radio and I look forward to that in twenty twenty seven. Okay, hmm. Brian, uh what is your history, your tragic history with uh with
1: Roots? Uh so here's the thing. Uh I had tickets to see them in ninety six. Uh, and I was so fucking excited I remember Going to get the tickets I also remember how much they cost For people that are wondering It was $12.50 <laughs> The price The ticket And uh, I went to the Kroger I walked up I, I said I need a ticket for Sepultura This is you know A guy that had seen Corn. The only band I'd really seen live was Corn, Like six times Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and is this uh, about how like my first five or six concerts were just corn. <laughs> like
0: there's a uh, there's like a what a ticket master outlet at your Kroger. Is that what you're. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's okay, where you yeah. got
1: tickets back then. It's yeah. funny because it was like, in a
0: mall. It was like a mall
1: kiosk. There was just a ticket master kiosk in the local mall where I live. I fucking heard somebody recently say Jesse. It was Jesse on YKS that their ticket master was in Radio Shack which oh, I have never heard of that never in heard of my that. life.
0: Yeah, yeah, ours was just, uh, it was like, you know, sometimes they have like a lottery ticket kiosk in the mall or whatever. Yeah, they had just a Ticketmaster one uh, at Semiemu Mall, which is a very small and shitty mall uh, where I grew up in, in White what, Rock, British Columbia.
1: Did a person work there?
0: Yeah, they had just like a person worked there. Machine? No, no, it was
1: pre-machine. Oh, yeah, Yeah. no, no,
0: no. This was a a person worked there, and I can remember like you'd go to buy tickets, and they had a binder with like the seat maps for everything. So they'd like pull yes. out the big binder with the laminated pages and be like, Oh, okay. You want tickets to figure skating. Okay. Here's the setup for figure skating at that arena. Where do you want to sit? They would go on the system. Okay. This, 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 my most fond memory of that, uh, of that ticket master was lining up for tickets for, uh, raw, uh, in, in 1999, no, 2000, 2000, Yeah, Uh, it was the I've talked about it before, I think, but it was the raw where Kid Rock played American Badass and uh, and yeah, too cool. Won the tag team titles after Joe C uh, Mm -hmm. low low blowed. I think it was Edge and Christian maybe had the titles and too cool. Won it off them. Uh, But anyway, yeah, we lined up because at that Ticketmaster, it was an old school one where it used to be. Like you could camp overnight and if you were mm-hmm. the first person in line, you were the first person in line, but they wanted, it was like right around the time period where they wanted people to stop camping outside. Yeah. So they did a random lottery and we did not know this. So we didn't camp, but I think tickets went on sale at like 10 in the morning and we got there at 6am or something like that. And so we were just in line for four hours for no reason. Cause they just gave yeah. tickets to everybody. And then luckily my friend was the number that was a friend of mine who was somewhere else in line. Like we didn't go to line up with him. He, his number was first, so he could buy up to eight tickets. So I said, Hey man, can you get me and my friend a, a pair? And he did. So we had like row three in the lower bowl for, for that raw. It was pretty awesome.
1: Anyway, my, f- my first concert ever was uh, fear factory, flotsam and Jessam corn and Megadeth. They were playing at a small venue uh, called the Newport Music Hall. It's a club. Yeah. Probably 1,500, maybe 2,000. It's small for yep. Megadeth, you know? Uh So we get up at like 730 in the morning, and we go to Camelot Records, which was a fucking record chain here in town and walk in like this is going to be fucking nuts man there's going to be so many people here for this concert there was fucking nobody there (laughs) there were no assigned seats so it was just a club show so there was no reason we could have bought tickets two days later right or any any time any time day of the show yeah but i woke up so i woke up at, I think, six in the morning, <laughs> went to Camelot, bought corn tickets, and then went straight to the movie theater and saw Batman Forever. That oh, was like my fr- <laughs> my <laughs> power, my pleasure, my faith, baby. <laughs> the thing that bummed me out about this was that they broke up right, we're talking three or four months before the show. Uh maybe one or two actually. It was very soon before the show. So we were all fucking just cranking it up. You know, we're going nuts. Yeah. Listen to this album over and over. It's like, oh, when this hits, it's gonna be fucking nuts. When this hits it's gonna be fucking nuts. And then I read the thing about them breaking up. Now, now that I'm older, I I think, you know, because I know the breakup had something to do with their manager being Max's everything, wife.
0: E- everything to do with their manager being Max's <laughs> wife. It wasn't, it wasn't something that is literally the only reason given for, uh, for Max's departure is yeah, basically they, uh, yeah, they pretty much were just, I think, I think it seems to be anyway, you can't get the full, uh, a, a full thing, but they basically Didn't want her to be the manager Of the band anymore And yeah. Max was like, well, if you don't want her To be the manager, then
1: I'm gone You don't you like know? me If you don't like her, then you don't like me You, you don't, don't, don't respect like me. me And guess who I got mad at <laughs> 16 years old or 15 years old it was not max and it was not the band
0: i believe it was the manager wasn't it a real a real yoko
1: ono situation here <laughs> oh that is probably my yoko ono situation that's yeah like that's at I mean, that yeah. point in my life this motherfucker man well I mean, it's like well of course i called it max pussy whipped Because that's the first thing you have to do. Of course. Get like real hot under the collar about a guy loving his wife. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) How dare you? I I do have to say this breakup is entirely Max's fault because I mean, you got to fucking, you have got to understand that you have to understand the rest of the guy's uh, uh, opinion that they don't want one of the lead singer's wife managing the band and the money and stuff. Totally. Yeah. You know, because it's like, I I mean, I, I totally understand that. I, I would never like be like, Hey, I think my wife can manage us because that's only going to cause problems. And you know, you look at max, it's probably super uncomfortable. I'm sure he considered keeping the band together. I, 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 Very sure he considered keeping the band together. And as an old as as an older guy now, I would bet that his wife may have told him to keep the band together. I I don't think that it's a slant open and shut case that she was like, Max, (laughs) like the way that we (laughs) the way that like a 16 year old boy would see it where it's like, Max. Max, You're you're leaving the band If they can't get along with me I'm your wife And we have kids together So so I'll bet you And I don't know why I think this But I'll bet you one It would have been fine For somebody else to manage Sepultura and Max just do Soulfly With his wife And I think Soulfly would also be A hit No matter what at that time. But the Sepultura guys are the real ones that fucked up in my opinion because once they re- got rid of Max I mean people didn't care about the band anymore at no. all there was especially, nobody Well that especially place him.
0: Well, and especially cuz he does soul fly right away, right? It's not like yeah. he disappears off into the sunset or whatever. It's like not only does Sepultura not have Max, but Max is making the music you liked already. Like just, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like exactly the same. Like that's what I, you know, listening to this Sepultura record, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like I, I can remember, uh, like I, I thought, okay, this is exactly like Soulfly. And I can remember back in the day, you know, back before Wikipedia and the internet and stuff, I thought that Max was just in both bands, like concurrently. Like I did not understand it was a situation where he left Sepultura and joined Soulfly. I thought it was just like, oh, he's in both of these bands, but then both of these bands make the same kind of music. Like it was very (laughs) odd, but you know, you just, that's all you could know back then. It was like, oh yeah, Max is just kind of in these bands and it's fine. But yeah, I think that's the problem for, for Sepultura at this time is that Max goes off after Sepultura's most successful record and does that same thing with Soulfly, which Sepultura was never going to be able to copy because they didn't have Max, Max's vocals and, and, you know, obviously his songwriting and, and yeah, it just says that the band felt like, uh, that, you know, that the manager that Gloria was giving preferential treatment to Max while neglecting the rest of the band and um, Max's stepson had died a couple months before that. So apparently he was still dealing with that and felt betrayed by his bandmates for wanting to get rid of Gloria. And so he just quit. Um, and so that was, so it was like a combination of both of those things apparently, but in this, on the same token too, like Max and Gloria are still married. They have five kids. Uh, I think three of them are their own. And then Gloria had a couple of her own kids before they got together. Um, so, you know, it's obviously, Hey, look, if you're in love, you're in love. It is, it is what it is, I suppose. But, but yeah, you're right, Brian, like it definitely seems as though they didn't fully understand, and we we can't ever understand either. We can't understand what was going on behind the scenes where, you know, they would have felt like it got to the point where the Gloria needed to be fired. And all, like, you know, you have to respect that. I'm sure there was some awkward situations happening there. But I think you also have to respect the fact that Max is sort of the the focal point of of your band, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can also see that his brother being in the band, and it, like, I don't know. There's so much lore and legend to Max that the other guys just don't have. You know, like the 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 big the big thing people say about Max that made him one of my favorite guys back then, growing up. It, this, this was the main thing that you would hear about him is that he cut the bottom two strings off of his guitar because he was like I just don't need those because they're the, the, the high the high ones and it's just like that is so fucking sick it's like I'm never going to play something with those fucking dumb strings <laughs> and like that was one of the max things that like you would hear about like that's a max thing the 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 cutting the bottom strings off the guitar he's the guy that makes it heavy it, you know what i'm saying like he's the guy that makes this band and like i don't know if because i do remember when sepulter released the album after this with the new lead singer and i remember being like First of all, if I'm not mistaken, the new lead singer after this is just some guy from Cleveland, which may have which may have hurt my enjoyment in a way that it's like this band from fucking uh this band from Brazil that does all this cool like Brazilian stuff just hired a dude from Cleveland to, to be their lead singer. I don't yeah. know if that gets the same thing across to me as as a guy from Brazil like Max. Max has this look that is I mean, when you're looking at a guy like Max in 1995, 96 and, and you see this guy and you've seen corn and stuff like that, you're like, "Oh yeah. Th- like Max is a dude that I would love to look like. He just he looks fucking scary. Like I don't want to meet you in an alley." Uh, I don't want to meet a guy. Max looks scary, cool, and corn looks like kinda cool in the other way, where like I wouldn't be afraid of them, but being around them would be like I would be like the least cool dude in the room. So I look at Max as like that's that's the guy that like he seems like the type of guy that would whip somebody's ass in in ways that some of the other bands did not look like and he had those fucking dreads and it is actually also super cool that him and his brother are going back out on the road and playing roots because uh uh, I, this album did not, as far as like touring went, this album didn't hit that. <laughs> they didn't even tour on this album. I'm pretty sure. Maybe a couple of dates or something yeah, they like did, that.
0: They did tour on it for sure. Um, their last show was December of 96. So, the, and this album came out in March. Um, so they would have done some touring on it, but it does seem like some of the tour dates did get canceled yeah. uh, because of uh, Max's stepson um, dying. Uh, but yeah, just to get back to your point, I love that at one point in time, the members of the members <laughs> of Sepultura were Paulo jr. Andreas Kieser, uh, Igor Cavalera and Derek green. I know.
1: <laughs> I remember when they hired Derek, I was like, Cleveland? It's such a weird fucking place to find Derek. Your, your newest lead singer. Cool, Derek. Hey, Derek yeah. Green.
0: <laughs> Derek Green. Weird, yeah. Weird yeah. fucking yeah. shit. Very, very strange for sure. Um, but yeah, no, like, I'm curious, how did you. Because obviously, I guess this record was pretty big, but how did you originally sort of find out about Sepultura? Because it doesn't seem like they would have been a band that was on the radio and you said you were kind of only listening to corn at the time how How did they sort of enter into your you know your sphere
1: or whatever? So it had to be one of two ways, right? Like, I honestly don't think it was from the internet. That's not right. I'm pretty sure it's not from the internet because it, it was a little early and I don't know if I would have been on corn.com yet, you know, cause I'd be on, on America online. So I would have to say that there is a magazine, I'm sure that reported that Jonathan Davis and Mike Patton, which I didn't care about Mike Patton, but Jonathan Davis is on a song and that DJ lethal is involved with the album And uh, but it was DJ Lethal from House of Pain. Limp Biscuit wasn't even a thing yet. And it was just like, well, I mean, you know, a guy that writes a guy that writes band names on the back of his his uh, uh, notebook for school only having one band. (laughs) <laughs> and pantera you know right it was just yeah. constant corn and pantera those are the only two fucking bands i was into maybe white zombie too and yeah. then hearing that jonathan davis is doing something anything right it's like i gotta hear that i i you know i talked about how i bought the crow city of angels soundtrack just because sean olson was on there and i was like uh well i want to hear the song i'm just gonna buy this so i think i probably bought this album thinking like, well, I'll just listen to Look Away, which is the song I bought this for. And then I don't know how it happened. I know I I, I first put it in and went right to Look Away, but this is, this is like a point in my life where I had decided, like, I don't like an album unless most of the songs on the album are good. And generally, there was like a whole bunch of years in my life where I didn't like an album unless all of the songs were good. Like, right. it was just like, if there's one bad song, I'm not Cause that's how I found corn was like, it's this album with all these like really great, like corn was a album that was all killer, no filler to me at the time. And uh, so I guess I was just like, I need to listen to this whole album. I I, I definitely want to hear this whole thing. And uh, it worked for me. Like I liked it. Uh, now that I listen to it today, it's bloated for sure. Uh, and I imagine that I probably stopped listening when the traditional, like kind of not uh uh metal songs start the songs that were not metal started, and uh, so I might have more of a uh what's I might have more of like a a uh, rose colored glasses situation because I only listen to the songs I I understood at the time but then right listening right. to it today it was like the traditional like brazilian stuff i kind of liked that too i'm, I'm uh, but I, I will say when i was 16 there's no fucking way i was listening to those songs there was just not a possibility <laughs> yeah the one jasco
0: starts out with an acoustic guitar so you're immediately like i'm done i'm done i'm not i can't, I can't
1: have this yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm I'm looking at the list right now, and I'll say I'll tell you where I probably I would have had to have stopped at like uh, Josco. Yeah, Josco, Astari, yeah, Ambush, and then came back for dictator shit. But even as I was listening, I was like, man, I don't think I remember dictator shit. You know, it, it is does interesting. seem I have that-
0: like the type of song though, because you you would probably have listened to it and gotten to Josco and and Astari and been like, okay. I'd, I think I'm done with this record, but then you would have looked at the, or it's Ari, but you would have looked at the track list probably. And then been like, Oh, there's a song called dictator shit. I probably got to <laughs> listen. I probably got to listen to that. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I got to hear what I got to hear what that's about. That feels like teenage Brian would be like, hell yeah. That, I got to get me some of that.
1: I mean, you know what? There's so much to this album for me. Like I had a, um, god it would have been 11th grade i was in my english two or english three i don't fucking know i i had to take english all three years because i didn't go to class they always put it like right around lunch and it was just like "Hmm, i think i'm gonna uh go out to lunch and then not come back for the rest of the day so then by my senior year i had to take english two three and four (laughs) because i kept failing and um so uh she's like pick five songs six songs and you get in a group of three and then you each write two short stories about the songs. Okay. And like, you can work together or something like that. Some stupid fucking thing. (laughs) Uh, Are you making fun of my profession, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, no, (laughs) it's actually a good, it's actually a great, it's honestly a great attempt on the teacher's part, you know, to get me to care. You know, because I'm this big heavy metal music guy and all I think about is music and stuff. And it's like, uh, oh, yeah, Brian, this one might be one that you're interested in. Yeah. So uh, I get in my group and the two people in the group are like, you're the music guy. You pick the songs. I, the only other song I can remember was Lunchbox by Marilyn Manson, which is literally the easiest song to write a short story for because it's actually a about it's actually a story right as a song so but then i also for some reason because it was my favorite fucking song on this album and probably one of my five favorite songs in the world was straight hate i was like yeah there's also i got this song straight hate which i gave the lyrics to this girl that was in the group she was like dude this (sighs) i thought like this is a great song you know it's my favorite song on the album But it's kind of, like, not about anything. (laughs) And I think I just like it because the guitar is badass in it. Yeah.
0: A lot of the songs are not really about anything. It's just Max kind of, like, yelling
1: slogans, pretty much. Yeah. So she, (laughs) this girl's like, I don't know what to write on it. And then what ended up happening is the other two people wrote their stories, and I just didn't do it. (laughs) And so I tanked the project. But, uh, yeah, Straight Hate was like this... Uh, this song, I thought a really great short story could be written. And it's like, it's just about a guy walking around hating everybody (laughs) (laughs) in a straight, a a straight ahead way.
0: I, I, uh, you guys are, you guys are done now. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely interesting. Like I'm not sure to go back to what you were saying about them being scary. Like, you know, I've, I've definitely talked about that on the show before. I mean, I think, there definitely would have been an element of Soulfly that was, or sorry, of Sepultura that was frightening to me. I mean, Soulfly was also frightening to me. But um, but yeah, I think it is, I think part of it too. And like, you know, we've sort of touched on the fact that, uh, you know, this, al- or this uh, genre has some problematic elements and we were both problematic teenagers when we were listening to it. But I do think there was probably a bit of a xenophobia there too, of just being like, oh, this is this like heavy band from Brazil. They're probably not good, you know, they're probably like scary people or they've probably, you know, been in fights or they've been in, you know, they're fighting in the streets or whatever. You know, I think when you're just like a stupid suburban white kid, you you just think like, oh my God, they're screaming about the favelas. I, I, I don't know if I can, my little <laughs> brain can handle this, you know? So I think there was definitely a part of that for me where I think Sepultura maybe would have felt like, uh, at, at that time would have felt like a sort of scary bridge for me to cross i think this even though this isn't that much heavier than anything that Korn or, or anyone else was doing um you know I think that there would have been like a heavier element to this that would have scared me at the time and it's just got a lot of screaming
1: It's a heavier album i mean if you're if you're if you're doing a continuum this is there with Slipknot as like the heaviest you can possibly be and be new metal. Um but yeah I think the Portuguese thing and when you're talking about a song called Rada Mahada or like Rada Mahada, like I can sing that song in its sure. entirety. Sure. It's entirely in Portuguese, but I've heard it so many times that yeah. I could just I could just do it because of uh and and I always felt I always thought that was so cool because, like, you know, you hear you, you see these shows that happen in like China or in Spanish speaking countries and stuff where they're singing English lyrics or in Japan. And that's really cool. And I was like, wow, now I'm doing that with Portuguese lyrics. <laughs> that's like me with "Du Hast" by Rammstein.
0: I can definitely sing that whole song. I have no clue what's happening there, but I can sing it. No. Um. I, yeah. I, I have no idea. So I think. You know, we haven't really discussed this yet, um but you know at the at I think one of the common themes anytime we've talked about sepultura on the show, Brian, is that is that you're, you sort of felt like I would not like this record or that I would not oh, like 100%. sepultura um I loved it. I thought it was really, really good i mean i i I really, really liked it like way more than I thought I was going to um I think that. The two singles, uh, two of the singles, Roots, Bloody Roots and Radha Mahata are two of the best songs in the new metal genre, I think. Like, they really just go hard. And I think, um, yeah, I think the incorporation of all the native elements is very cool. And I just didn't find myself getting tired of this until the end. So I agree with you. Like, to me, it sort of feels like the first 10 songs are all very hard hitting and it's, like, very intense and then Jasko and Itzari are a little bit more chill. And it just sort of felt to me, especially with given the sort of um, mythos around this album, oh, we spent three days with the Zavante tribe and You know, we literally went into the Amazon rainforest and we had to sign all these agreements with their tribe to even go there. And we 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 had to bring a car battery to record the songs with them because they have no electricity in the jungle and blah, blah, blah. And then you hear some of those instrumental elements sort of used throughout the album. And then you hear Itzari, which is the sort of, you know, it's basically composed by the Zavante tribe that to me felt like the end point of the record like Mm -hmm. that. And it's a little bit of a softer song. And to me, that sort of felt like the, the, the natural sort of tailing off, of the album. And I think if you didn't have ambush, endangered species, dictator shit, and then Canyon jam originally was a secret, uh, a hidden track on the, on the album originally. But now that we have, you know, iTunes and Spotify, it's just listed there. Um, But I feel like if you chopped all four of those songs off, you're now taking uh, 24 minutes off of this album's running time. So that gets it down to 48 minutes to me, that's the perfect album. I feel like, and it's not, it's not even that those songs were bad. Like I listened to the album a few times and I don't think any, it's not like I heard ambush endangered species, dictator shit and thought, I mean, Canyon jam is, you don't need, it doesn't need to be there. It's fine, but it's very, it's very long and it doesn't really serve much of a purpose. But um, those three songs aren't bad. It's not like I was hearing them and I was like, Oh God, these, this is horrible. Like get me to the end. Like sometimes we have on, you know, the new metal albums are pretty front loaded or we listen to soundtracks where they're very front loaded. It wasn't like that. I thought the songs were good, but it just felt like as a sort of mission statement and as a whole package, if the album had ended after Itzari, that, that to me feels like the ideal form of this album. For
1: sure, for sure, yeah. And I mean, I just think this is one of those albums that, again, like I said, it's very bloated, but also almost all the songs kick ass. It's just like you said, there's a little bit extra there that you don't want an hour, 12-minute album, I think. But back then, you did. That was like the whole thing with these bands, was that they they wanted a little over an hour, and... That was something that like, I don't know, like the metal songs on here, the new metal songs on here, they really are probably some of the best in the form. Now, no question. Here's the thing. The reason I didn't think you would like this album is I thought you wouldn't like Max's voice. Like you sometimes are like not as into the screamier stuff. It, at least in my estimation, you're more into the singier stuff. So I thought, ah, oh, he might not like this. It might be one of those albums that's just like purely kind of, kind of just heavy, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I thought you wouldn't like it, but uh, I think I, th- yeah. I mean,
0: I think it's just that. I, I do like screaming. Like I'm not, I went through a massive screamo phase. I listened to <laughs> some metal metal core, but definitely not all, definitely not all. It's definitely, it is a deal breaker for me with some bands, no question. Um, and, and some bands in the new metal genre too. Um, it is a deal breaker for me. I think what it is, is I, I, I think what works for me about it is that it fits with the music. I think like, I think you get a sense that the music is very passionate and the vocals are very passionate and it just kind of fits the whole package. It doesn't feel like screaming for the sake of screaming or it doesn't feel, I don't, and there is, there is kind of a tonal quality to Max's screaming that I think works. It fits the vibe. It's not just like, you know, it's not just the sort of, you know, like there is a kind of, there is a tonal element to it that, that I think works. And and so I'm not surprised. Like I have enjoyed, you know, I love head up and I I've heard max on other songs that I've enjoyed. And I've heard obviously over the years, I've heard Sepultura and Soulfly songs and max's voice was never a, um, was never a a detractor to me. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I, I just think it's, it, it, everything fits to me. And I, I think, it is disappointing that this band didn't continue as it was. And not that that doesn't mean, you mm-hmm. know, Soulfly is good too, I think, but uh, or at least what I've heard of Soulfly I like, but it just this to me feels like they were on to something and I I, what I really like, too, is the native elements in it don't feel gimmicky to me. Um, you know, like I, I think of a band like Il Nino, for example, where where the sort of Latin elements to it feel gimmicky. Like the band is called Il Nino already. That is a That's like a fun, <laughs> like a comedy name, basically. Um, and I like Il Nino, actually, like I'm not even saying they're a bad band, but in a lot of ways, it didn't it doesn't feel Soulful. It feels like what is a way that we can do new metal slightly differently? Just what what can we do that's a differentiator? Whereas Sepultura, it doesn't feel to me like they're like, how can we be different? This feels to me like this is the music. Like
1: it it feels original to me. I guess. Yeah, 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 it, and it it fits in the. I think the coolest thing about it, and I hate that he's like. I hate that this has become, like, a nasty thing. I think the coolest thing about it is that, like, it is definitely, it's a new metal album. It is 100% like this kind of music. And I think, in my mind, I think it inspired a lot of stuff after. Like, it, it was, like, the rougher sounding stuff like that was the the main calling card of this type of music when it was just corn doing it that it was like uh kind of sloppy very emotional because that's the thing Sepultura was like a um more political band before this and I wouldn't say this album is like not political but it is definitely much more closer to Korn's first album with the the emotions and the feelings and shit than than it is political. So it almost does everything perfect. It's almost like like one of those albums that like if you wanted people to hear like I would probably. Obviously you if you're leaving Korn out, right? And you're like what is new metal? Then I would probably have to be like, well, you got roots on one end and you got significant other on the other end. Like, that's like what the two, that's what the two things are. corn is somewhere in between that because they do have like a lot of hip hop influence. And one of the articles we did, they said something about this band having a hip hop influence. And I'm like, that's the only thing I don't hear. I like, I don't hear that at all. Yeah, I think. I think that's so weird. <laughs>
0: I'm guess, I guess it's maybe just the sort of, um, I, I haven't heard chaos AD, so I don't know what I would compare it to, or like to say, you know, Hey, this is more hip hoppy than what we've done before, but I'm guessing maybe it's just the sort of like shorter lyrics, the sort of stabby phrases or whatever that maybe has something in common with hip hop, I guess. I don't know. It just, it's an interesting sort of, uh, yeah, I I th- that quote sort of threw me off as well where Max kind of says, "Oh yeah, Ross Robinson basically told me to be hip hoppy." Yeah, this is the The question, this is from the Lollipop Magazine interview from March 96. The album has a great vibe to it. There seems to be an unintentional hip-hop flavor on some of the tracks. And Max says, I guess you can say that there's a hip-hop thing going on, probably because of the producer, Ross Robinson. He's so into hip-hop and stuff like that, he couldn't help but bring it out somehow. So in my mind, I I don't think that Max actually pardon me did any rapping or anything like that it just seems (laughs) like it just seems like max is sort of acknowledging well you know i guess if you heard a hip-hop influence it's probably because of (laughs) ross you know like i I, you know whatever i don't know what to
1: tell you yeah yeah i'm with you i i just uh, that's how i took that answer too i thought was very funny um But yeah, I don't hear the hip hop influence in this, but I don't think that that's a necessity for a new metal album either. I think obviously that it helps, but Slipknot started, I guess, with a hip hop. What what's the word? They started with hip hop influence for sure. They yeah, don't, when you listen they, to that they first don't have sl- any by Iowa. Yeah, by the time Iowa comes out, they're not. Yeah, really. there's no
0: hip hop on Iowa and on when we did the self titled, I was actually surprised. I I didn't really remember. How like outright, like Corey's rapping, like he's outright rapping at parts of the self-titled. um. So, yeah. But then, like you said, by Iowa, they're just like, not nah, we're a heavy band. We don't do the we don't do the hip hop thing anymore. Maybe Corey's back to hip hopping with his whole uh, Corey MF Taylor uh, it sucks. side project. <laughs> but that sucks. But, well, I know. I know. Um, I was just joking. I haven't heard it, obviously. But yeah. Um, it yeah. Sucks. I mean, it definitely doesn't feel deliberate. uh If there is any hip hop influence on here, it doesn't feel uh deliberate in my eyes, or I certainly didn't hear it when I was listening to it. But yeah, like I say, it could just be the sort of the more stabby kind of vocals and, and, and that kind of thing. I think it's, it's interesting too, that, you know, you had talked about Jonathan Davis being on this record as being a selling point. And I, I, I find that interesting too. Like I, I kind of wonder, because so Jonathan Davis is on this. David Silveria drums on a track. DJ Lethal is on this as well. And so is Mike Patton. Uh, John Davis, DJ Lethal and Mike Patton are all on Look Away. And then uh, David Silveria is drumming on Radha And it's just interesting to me how that would have even come together. Because, I you know, I know Korn is getting a little bigger at this time, but they're still not. Korn is not a huge band at this time. I'm definitely curious as to how that whole kind of, I guess Ross maybe would have been the connection there, but it just, that that's interesting to me that this album seems to have a clear ethos. Um, and then Jonathan Davis and Mike Patton are on here and, uh, Mike Patton's doing some kind of, uh, Indian chanting in the words of Max and Jonathan yes. Davis is singing about eating pussy. It's very odd to me. It is.
1: That's the weirdest song. But you know what? That song blew my fucking mind the first time I heard it. Like like I said, I bought this album and went right to song number eight because right. I knew that was the one with Jonathan Davis and Mike Patton. I didn't care about Mike Patton. But uh, hearing Jonathan Davis sing that song in a way that he would he would use a lot more later on, but that he didn't really do on that. He didn't really do on Korn's first album. So I kind of liked it. And it is funny that I mean, I guess like that's pure Mike Patton thing where he comes in and it's like, uh, uh he, he's like, hey, I, I guess they do give Jonathan Davis the credit for saying, isn't it crazy that some people are afraid of pussy? It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's 96, know, man. It was a
0: different time. I mean, there was a whole Sopranos episode. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> bit, right. Yes. <laughs> based around the, that idea that, uh, you know, eating pussy makes you less
1: of a man or whatever. Um, the which Jonathan is, Davis which quote about it fucking or or was it max i can't remember i have the quote in here somewhere uh look away uh it came out of a jam it's a really heavy riff patton started singing this indian chant And it gave me goosebumps in the studio when he did that. It was so intense. He showed up in the studio with a Samsonite briefcase. I was like, (laughs) Mike, what's up with the briefcase? He said, it's what I need to record. It had an echo pedal inside for his voice and a bottle of wine. He opened the (laughs) wine and we drank it. At one point, the three of us were on the floor of the studio going crazy and making weird noises and sounds. Jonathan took it to another level. He's singing about people with a fear of pussy, which is a crazy concept. It came <laughs> out as a really cool, obscure song on roots. Now, number one is not an obscure song, but I just am picturing them now sitting on the floor, like rolling around drunk. And Jonathan yeah. Davis, like, man, it's crazy that people are afraid of bus.
0: <laughs> wow. Well yeah because if you look at the uh at the actual album Jonathan Davis is credited with the lyrics on Look Away like he has the sole 100% writing credit. <laughs> so they must have been, that must have been some crazy red wine because uh yeah it's just very uh it's very hilarious uh you know in my mind that uh <laughs> that Jonathan, that they just like basically let Jonathan Davis cook, essentially. Where they were just like, "Yeah, you know what? Whatever, man." You, you, Jonathan Davis is like, "Isn't it crazy that people are scared of pussy?" And then they're just like, "Dude, you got to write that. You got to write yeah. that, man." It's so it's so wild. And then the it's lyrics like a, are the lyrics
1: are so nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's also like, I I pictured Jonathan Davis almost doing like a stand up comedy bit about it <laughs> to like sell it to the other guys, right? You know. Yeah. Like yeah, ever heard of when a guy's afraid of eating pussy? That's or a pussy. That's crazy. I couldn't. It couldn't be me. Never. It's all I, I get. I get right in there.
0: <laughs> I'm not afraid of it.
1: I'm not afraid it. of it. It's amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. because yeah, I, I love how Max is like. That's not something I could ever. I can't. I don't know. I mean, if Jonathan Davis says it's true, then I guess it's true. <laughs> Yeah, wh- wh- I love what, Max's what would we comment. Know? He's just like, he, it, which is a crazy concept. Hey, this is a crazy concept. Hey, I heard some crazy shit recently. <laughs> uh, a guy's afraid of pussy. <laughs> Can you fucking believe it? <laughs> Wild. Wild.
0: I also, I mean, it is really, really good how these guys sort of continue to, um, how these guys kind of continue to perpetuate the weird myths around them. You know, like (laughs) Mike Patton showed up with a briefcase inside the briefcase an echo pedal and a bottle of wine. Like just say it was a grocery bag, dude. He didn't have a fucking, I just, the idea, or maybe uh, it's Mike Patton. He probably did show up with a briefcase. It's just like
1: brand. Yeah. Samsonite
0: brand briefcase. Like, okay, fine. But it's just like, come Come on, man. Like what? Who? It just it is. We read these articles and it is just very funny to me how they sort of think like what they think is sort of cool or what's worthy of talking about in an interview. He's just like, I need this wine to record. I bring it in a briefcase. We all get fucked up on wine. And then we write a song about eating pussy. Uh, It's it's really good stuff.
1: It's funny. It's so these people are so fucking nuts, but, uh, uh, yeah. And Jonathan Davis is just his whole thing. People forget about it. I and mean, maybe they don't forget about it now that he's like selling hot sauce and like, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. You, know, you didn't give us a review. I haven't tasted it. I haven't tasted it. My okay. wife said it's kind of mid, Okay, but, uh, I smelled it and it smells good. I have to taste it soon. I haven't had an occasion to use hot sauce. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what. Fucking Katie was doing, but uh, um, she tried it and said it's whatever. Um, so I was like, um, I was like, oh, I, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I forget where I was going. I'm sorry about that, John. I fucked up. Hey, yeah, man, it does happen. We're, we fucking we're podcasters. We're talking it about corn's hot sauce.
0: You were trying to think of your what your wife would have hot sauce on. And then that just totally derailed the uh, we were
1: talking about Mike Patton's briefcase and him bringing oh, in yeah. the wine. I had a briefcase the- of hot sauce. Like like when Hillary Clinton had the hot sauce in her purse, My, Mike Patton brings wine and his Samsonite. Yeah. I mean, Mike Patton is 90% sort of myth building guy, you know? He's like the guy that the new metal guys all think is like the coolest motherfucker in the world. Yeah, no, totally get where he's coming from, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. They all, they, they love, they love themselves some MP. Um, Let's uh, let's get into the articles. We've already discussed them a little bit. Uh, We've got three here. There's one from our old friends at Chronicles of chaos uh, with the articles titled rainforest rumblings revealed, Um, And it is from 1996. Uh, It is uh, from September 2nd, 1996. We also have the Lollipop magazine piece from March 96 that we already talked about. And then Max Cavalera uh, responded in 2022 to Jonathan Davis's uh, claims about Roots uh, being a ripoff of Korn's first album. And he also says that he doesn't think that it is a new metal record. And I'll just go right to that quote because I think it's very funny. Max says, uh, asked about the criticism from some of the Sepultura fans that the LP was not metal enough. Max said, I don't think they gave the record a real chance. To me, Roots is a very heavy record. I think some of the stuff like Straight Hate, Spit, Ambush, and Endangered Species was so freaking heavy and it's fast and it's brutal. I think it's because it got tagged... It got really popular. It got trendy. Some people connected it with new metal. I don't think Roots is a new metal record. In fact, I think it's very opposite. It's really kind of more caveman. It's simpler, down tuning, but simpler riffs, very heavy percussion. Uh, it, I mean, to say that caveman is the opposite of new metal Uh, already you've lost me max i feel like caveman (laughs) and new metal on the spectrum are pretty close to each other
1: yeah yeah absolutely they are they're they're like the and also it sucks he he's so fucking nervous about this being considered new metal because he he sort of helped define a genre but it's a genre that you know people think sucks, so he can't like take credit for helping to define it <laughs> yeah that's difficult to me that is a uh, uh uh that's a tough one i I feel for him in that respect but it's an it's a new metal album it, oh. it it just is that's all it is um I had a quote oh this was the quote I liked from from blabbermouth I'm proud of this record. And it's a big record. Many famous people like this record a lot, like Dave Grohl and so many people like that. The Slipknot guys, they love roots. <laughs> I like attaching guy, yourself man. to Dave Grohl and to Slipknot. That's worked for so many bands, though. Oh, Attaching totally. themselves to Dave Grohl. Dave That's Grohl like the loves easiest this. easiest thing in the world.
0: Dave, yeah. Dave Grohl loves it. I met Dave Grohl one time, and he said, I loved your record. And I was like, hell
1: yeah. You know? You think Dave Grohl really loves... Love it. I said really love it. You think you Dave think Grohl you- really love it? I love it. Um Did Max yeah. say do you really love it Dave Grohl? <laughs> name one song Dave Grohl. I would bet I would Dave Grohl do anything to see if Dave Grohl could name one song.
0: I would bet Dave Grohl liked Roots Bloody Roots when he heard it. Is my it guess. Bangs. He heard that
1: song and he's like, "Okay, this song goes and then that." Sounds like a- The song has, like, that rubber band kind of, like, breakdown in it, where it's, like, it's so cool, man. It's a great song. That's the thing I love about this album. The breakdowns are all fucking so cool. They make you want to run through a wall. Yeah, exactly. And I'm
0: always trying to find different ways to get through walls. Um, Brother, so, me too. I'm like the yeah. Kool-Aid
1: man in that respect.
0: <laughs> uh, this is the the last one I had from the Blabbermouth one. I think it's very funny where he responds to Jonathan Davis. So at the top of the episode, we talked about, He's right. about him and... Uh, And about the, uh, you know, the whole Jonathan Davis situation where, again, to remind you, Jonathan Davis basically said that this album was a ripoff and that Ross Robinson, uh, Jonathan Davis had it out with Ross Robinson about it because he just took our sound and gave it to Sepultura. Max disagreed with this assessment saying, I don't see it like that. I think especially the sound of corn, in my opinion, with the bass is horrible. (laughs) <laughs> <Which> I do,
1: <laughs> Get it, motherfucker. I do
0: love just calling out fieldy corn's good. If their bass wasn't so shitty, he's uh, right though.
1: He's well, I, right. Mean, I mean, he's wrong, but he's right.
0: He's wrong, but he's right. Like if you didn't like corn, that's a good reason to not like them. Uh, yeah. And then he goes on to say, we didn't have that. We had a lot of low end and things that the corn album didn't have. So I don't oh, see shit. why he would be pissed off because I don't see that much of a similarity between the two of them. Plus, Korn wasn't the only reason we wanted to work with Ross. He had done a fear factory demo that I really liked and had a really That's raw funny. sound. And he had done a Deftones song on the adrenaline album that I really liked. He continued saying that is like saying Sepultura should be pissed off at cannibal corpse because they used producer Scott Burns. I'm not pissed off at cannibal corpse. I think they're great because we were one of the first that used Scott Burns. We should be mad at all the bands that use him. That's childish. So he's just really being childish. And I really
1: don't give a shit about Korn or anybody. I love that. That's the answer right there. That's actually, I got to say, a perfect fucking answer. Well, and it's
0: honestly like what I said earlier. Like, that's how producers work. Like, if you yeah. if you go to a producer, it's because you want them. You want your record to sound like something they made before. That's the whole I also, thing.
1: I also have to say, I do not think these guys went to Ross Robinson and said, make me a hit record because for
0: sure they didn't this is they went to fucking record record with a tribe in the jungle there's no way they wanted to make a hit record
1: yeah that's the thing about this too this is this is like against all odds this is a hit record you know because when you listen to it you're like uh i don't know man (laughs) if i had heard this before it came out i'd be like i'm gonna be the only person that likes this
0: well, I'm also not positive that Ross Robinson was a hit maker. Like, I mean, yeah, okay. That. The corn self-titled record is good, but there's not a hit on, the, I mean, I guess blind, but blind is not a hit. In the way that like Freak on a Leash or Nookie was a hit. I mean, people who like new metal love Blind. It's not a hit record. Like there's no hit song on the self-titled Korn record. And there's certainly no hit song on Adrenaline either or whatever else Ross Robinson was working on at the time. So, you know, I, I just think they heard Ross and they thought, OK, this guy can make a sort of gritty sounding album that's what we want our album to sound like. And that's, that's what kind of came out of it. So yeah, I don't, to me, I don't see, I don't sort of see the, the angle of, Oh, Ross just went and made a corn record with Deftones. If anything, Ross or sorry, with Sepultura, if anything, Ross went and made a Ross record with Sepultura, which is what producers do. And
1: that's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I guess I can, uh, uh, about today's music scene He mentions It's yes, fucked up I with all these bands too. Sounding like one another It's like why bother ripping shit off like that Bands are so disposable They make the cash and that's that And that is that is what a record label's like I'm not like that I don't want to be that And never will be like that I'm not into that greed stuff I do this because I like to make music And watch how people react to it Well yeah the money's probably pretty fucking nice too <laughs> i hate that people can't admit that money is also good like i like podcasting and you know there's a good chance i'd be doing it if i was working a different job uh not as much as i do but i i'd be doing a, like probably a weekly show once a week or something like that just for fun but i also like making money that also is nice and uh i think that max has this misguided thing in his mind where he's like well if you make money that's bad totally. and it's like, no that means people like what you do that is like unfortunately how you have to measure your success in this world totally well
0: and i love like i've probably brought it up on the show before but i always remember this is going back like 20 years and bono was being interviewed by much music and i know that bono is not like the you know patron saint of anything but He had a great quote where it was that was in the peak like sellout era, you know, and he was being asked about selling out. And he said, anyone who makes music and is not trying to make money or says they're not trying to make money is either lying to you or they're stupid. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it, right? Like you you definitely don't you can start a band for the love of the game. But you're I, I think anybody who starts a band or maybe not anybody, but most people who start a band, their goal is to have the band become self-sustaining. Maybe you don't set out to like, I want to make music to be rich, but you certainly want to set out to be like, I want to say that my job is being in a band, or I want to say my job is being a podcaster or whatever it happens to be. I think when you start out in any type of sort of entertainment or entertainment adjacent field, that has to be a goal or at least a goal in the back of your mind to just say, oh, well, the music's for the people and that's all we care about. It's like, okay, well, then that's really, then you're doing it wrong, <laughs> I
1: think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 Bono is right in that respect, but he's wrong about everything else. Uh, I also... <laughs> I mean, I also, this is interesting. I'm not going to goof on this because it might be true. Cavalera is very much aware of the dangers of traveling to Brazil, too. When I was there last time, I was paranoid that I would be sabotaged by police or kidnapped. I was paranoid because I think I am too outspoken. When I was there last time, I did a few interviews with some big newspapers and basically said that the police there are a pile of shit. And now I realize that and have thought to myself that saying stuff like that, could cost me my life, so now I don't go back as much. And it's because now that I have kids and a wife, why risk it? I mean, why have them kidnapped, tortured, or killed when they haven't said anything? I just got to be more careful from now on. And uh, that shit's kind of cool. He 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 talks a few times about like uh, being harassed at the airport when he goes back, and uh, every time he goes back, they 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 pull him into a room and and harass him because. Uh, You know, the police, he actually ends one of the sentences like, I don't fucking care what a bunch of pigs think. And I'm like, I love you, Max. You're very cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's from the uh, the lollipop magazine. Someone the interviewer asked, what about the police? I remember on the last tour, you ran into a few problems with them. Max said, not this time. Laughs. I was saved. I can tell they don't really like us that much. Every time we go to the airport, we have to go to the federal police for passports. And it's always like, oh, Sepultura, okay, bye. <laughs> They're not very friendly, but I don't give a shit. They're just a bunch of fucking pigs anyway, which is yeah, yeah, it's cool. And I also think too like that's the type of thing where if I was reading this in 1996, it would only increase like what I like about Sepultura. If I like, you know, if I like them, you know, I think especially this record with all of its sort of Brazilian tribal influence and stuff, And they use, pardon me, a lot of Brazilian instruments on the record and stuff, too. Um, I think that I would feel like, damn, like these guys are in the shit. This is cool. It's it's an it's something that's much more interesting than like, oh, yeah, we all used to go to the 7-Eleven in the small town we lived in and we would steal chips and then go make music like it's just there is something about it, I think, that adds to to the music where I do believe him a little bit more when he says it's more about the music than the money. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't have any more articles. Yeah. This was my, the last one I I liked because he, again, he, he definitely max def, definitely enjoys the idea of, you know, I'm my, I'm my own man. I'm making music out here on my own terms. And it was right after the police quote Uh, where the interviewer asks, has all the notoriety of being in a popular band affected you in any way? And Max says, yeah, it makes me really disgusted with the whole thing. I work in a way so as to keep my integrity and maintain my roots. People think of, quote, rock star dreams. And to me, it's complete bullshit. It's like a fake dream world, trapped in your own bubble world, like Michael Jackson kind of shit. And that just made me laugh because um, Sepultura are not famous like michael jackson and i don't i don't believe maybe in brazil but even then i don't believe that max cavalera's life approached anything like that of a real famous person so i thought you don't
1: want to get stuck being a michael jackson (laughs) and i gotta say without the pedophilia and stuff i'd love to be michael jackson so sure yeah that's just something i mean he's rich He's having yeah, a time of Rich his fucking made life. Made a bunch of the best songs that have ever been made. Yeah. It's a Had a doctor good... that would shoot him up with Rohypnol anytime he wanted, which is something I I would love to have. <laughs> I mean, I think or you could. Or whatever that stuff is. You could probably propofol. arrange that. Propofol. No, yeah. you can't get propofol. There's no propofol on the black market unfortunately. No. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll have to That's we'll more of in. a uh, that's more of a clear uh, uh mark, regular market thing. It's like a special thing you get when you get surgery. I see. I see.
0: Well, I mean, I guess what I would say is, um, you know how like other pods will have Patreon goals of like, Oh, when we get to this dollar amount or this dollar amount, you know, whatever. Um, if we ever get to, I don't know, Brian, what do you think? Like 5,000 a month? We'll, we'll, uh, let the listeners know that you'll be spending that on trying to get propofol.
1: Yeah, I'll spend some time working on it if I have that kind of money. Yeah, that could all be a time Patreon, in the world for Patreon propofol. stretch.
0: Patreon stretch goal. Um, yeah. So if you're not donating to the Patreon, please help out Brian. He would really like mm. to have a propofol
1: guy on call. My foot is maximum fucked up right now, so a little bit of drugs would be nice. So there you go. Okay. So well, yeah. So people get on it. Um, okay,
0: Brian. We're uh, before we get into the challenge and the poll and all that stuff, we do have to give this album a score. We always do a tweet defense. If this is your first time listening to the show, this is how we review the album. It's if someone were to tweet at you and say that roots sucks and they don't like it, how many tweets would you do in defense of the album? Brian,
1: where are you? uh, Where are you slotting roots on the scale? Uh, I got to say for roots because I love it and I have fucked up the whole scale. So I'm going to say, uh, uh, infinity. Times a Google Plex. Is that like a Google Plex is a number? Oh, uh, yeah, Let that's a number. Yeah, that's a number. Inf- yeah, that's it. Infinity times a Google Plex. That wow. high. That's higher than anybody. No, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it, really, to put it in context, this album goes up there with like the first Corn and Significant Other and and those, those albums that I just absolutely fucking love. Yeah,
0: no, that's uh, that's fair. I mean, I liked it a lot, too. I think for me, I would probably go. Uh, I'd probably get in the realm of like ooh, seven, eight, probably somewhere in there would be. It's uh, like me. close to
1: what I gave. Really, yeah, for yeah you.
0: exactly. Yeah, no, it's definitely. I think one of the better albums we've covered on the show, particularly as we've already covered from a new metal perspective, I think it's one of the sort of you know, if, if you had to make a list of the definitive new metal albums of all time, I think this one absolutely has to be on it. And I think uh, a lot of the songs are, uh, are really great. So yeah. Awesome big album. Big fan, big fan. Um, if you're a big fan of the show, you can donate over at patreoncom slash the POD cast that's cast with a K like the band corn, uh, for $4 a month, you get three bonus episodes. Every single month. Uh, Last month, we covered the Punisher 2004 soundtrack with Robin Hatch. Uh, It was a true uh, trip to hell. It was uh, just 19 tracks of... 19 tracks of misery, but uh, we are thrilled to have Robin Hatch of uh, Fucked Up on the show. Uh, She was fantastic, and uh, the whole episode was great. Uh, So, yeah, you get a full length bonus episode every month. You get two singles episodes. And coming up in December, it's actually a very special month. Uh, We're going to have Holiday Kirk on the show to review all 50 singles that we've covered so far. So, we've done 50 Y'all Wanna singles. We're going to rank them from 50 to number one, uh, the favorites that we've done so far. So, we're looking looking forward to that. It's going to be two full-length bonus episodes in December. So if you've never been on the Patreon before, now is a perfect time. Makes a great holiday gift. And speaking of holiday gifts, we also have uh, merch available. If you head on over to merch.blockedparty.com, the PODcast stuff is all up there and ready to rock for you. Uh, Okay, Brian, uh, we are here at the challenge. Every month we give ourselves a challenge based on the uh, record we just reviewed last month, Brian, you got back on the board. It had been, uh, oh, I, had, I, I had won four. I'd won four out of the last five. And and in that, in the fifth one, we tied. So I was on a, I was on a five month unbeaten streak, but uh, you took me down the, we were uh, for American head charge. We were singing a street joke. Uh, In the style of American Head Charge and Brian, you are determined to be the winner of that one. So you now have 18 wins. I have 19 and we have two ties. So it's very even, very even. Uh, This month we are going to, in the spirit of Roots, since Roots uh, went to the Amazon jungle, recorded with the Zavante tribe and really got to their roots, as it were, with this record, Brian and I are going to get to our roots as well. And we're going to imagine that if we recorded a new metal album, what would it look like if we were to get to our roots? If we were to record a regional, a region themed sort of new metal album. So Brian, I'll let you go first. Uh, Tell me about your, your regional new metal
1: album. I guess I would have to go back to Groveport in uh, uh, and live and and it would have to happen during 4th of July week. That's where okay. we're recording. We go to Groveport. It's 4th of July week. It's their big fucking week. And we just sit down and we do a sort of uh, uh, a drum circle in a way like they do. But maybe uh, pounding on nerds, I guess, is <laughs> it's mostly what I did. In, in, uh, uh, Groveport and, uh, I'd have to start smoking cigarettes again. And, uh, you know, it would, and, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, I guess we, we do a drum circle by pounding on nerds and that's back to my roots.
0: I love that. That's great. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm obviously from Canada, so mine's going to look a little different. I am uh, I'm going to go all the way back to the ice fishing shed. Uh, me and me and the, I never went ice fishing. I'm going back to the ravine. I'm skating on the pond. There is an ice fishing shed on the ravine that we used to hang out in. Uh, just me and the fellas, you know, we do a little ice fishing. We play a little hockey. And uh, the sounds, of course, are like hockey noises, like hockey sticks banging on the ravine and uh, things of that nature. We're also obviously one of the tracks is featuring Gord Downey from the Tragically Hip. That's who we're uh, that's (laughs) who we're bringing on. Yeah, we got Gord, big Gord, because obviously if I'm going back to my roots, he's still alive. So we're so we're able to get (laughs) Gord for we're able to get Gord for a track. We're also uh, gonna have Chad Kruger on a track from Nickelback. So those are our two; <laughs> those are our sort of two main guest just stars. And the album uh, is not called Roots, but it's called Molsons,
1: and uh, oh, that's how we're. You deserve uh, this win. <laughs> Let's just fucking give you the win and just move on. You know, it's so good. I just was like, I, I just, yeah, I love it gourd too you're gonna have a <laughs> yeah. gourd on your album. you gotta have a gourd on the if you have an album called molson's you gotta have a
0: gourd on there for sure yeah yeah next month Big, i'm gonna fucking go heavy hard
1: <laughs> i'm gonna spend days <laughs> figuring it out i would love that um all right well speaking like I, of next <laughs> let's go ahead i feel like i definitely lost this month so next oh, month we'll I'm see. gonna the have, fans the fans decide we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna figure it out early next month and i'm gonna spend a lot of time like writing stuff down. I'll be on vacation anyway. uh, I think I can win.
0: I believe you can. I believe you can for sure. Um, Speaking of next month, it is time for the poll Uh, every month here on the POD cast. Brian and I select two albums each to go into the poll. And uh, then you, the listener will vote on it. This is all on our Twitter. So follow us on twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast again, cast with a K. And uh, that's the only time it usually goes up around the middle of the month. Uh, So keep your eyes peeled for the poll going up and you can help help us decide what to listen to. Brian, what are the two albums that you are putting up uh, for for the first episode of 2023? Get us started off on the right
1: foot. Okay, so this album Roots is a heavy metal album. It's super heavy. It's on the heavy end of of Uh what we're covering uh and it's been a long time since we've done any rap rock, like straight up, just rap rock. Mm-hmm. So this month I am putting up Cypress Hill Skull and Bones, which is their sort of uh new metal inspired album. Sure. And then a modern one, City Morgue Volume One, Heller High Water. So two rap rock albums for next month. I have genuinely
0: never even heard of that second one. What is the band?
1: That's a modern
0: city more. Okay. They're modern.
1: They kick ass. They're real good. This uh, look, I'll tell you
0: right now. This poll is going to be the most chaotic in POD cast history because I I sort of similar to you thought, okay, we've done a couple heavy albums in a row. The American Head Charge album was also very heavy, but I also, in the spirit of our show, wanted to get a little chaotic with it. And now this is easily going to be the weirdest collection of four albums we have ever put in a poll. So I am going to nominate for the first time Stain's 14 Shades of Grey. Uh we've we put dysfunction on the poll a few times, but we never put the uh the follow-up um to uh fuck what was the, what was the big album called? I can't even remember. Break uh, the cycle. Break the cycle. There we go. Jesus. Yeah. Sucked. So so, the follow up to Break the Cycle, uh 14 Shades of Grey. And then this was sort of a listener suggestion. Um someone brought it up on Twitter, and I should give them credit here. Let me look at it real quick. Um But someone suggested that we cover this artist and me being, you know, an unfailing Canadian. I sort of agree Um, because I think I think she's like new metal adjacent. Uh, So I'm going to nominate Avril
1: Lavigne. Let go. Okay. Hey, you know, I I I put City Morgue, which could win. Good fucking win. City Morgue Uh, could win. I mean, I don't know who they are. It's youngsters. It's a youngster band. The youngsters will like it. You I know, like that. Yeah. good. you'll love it. You'll like city Morgue. Actually, it's it's pretty cool shit. Um, but yeah, okay, chaos next. It's month chaos. Street, it is chaos, baby. Podcast. I said street on fight. Street fight. On street fight, it will well, be, it'll chaos. be chaos over there too. We're about to record a pretty odd episode of Street Fight right Can't when we're wait. done here.
0: So. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. sorry, Lilac. Lilac Moon was who suggested it on Twitter. Um, and they just said, you guys should do an Avril Lavigne album at some point. And I said, you know what? Yes, we let's should do it. Why not? Who Bro, gives a fuck? Do, yeah, we can do whatever All we right. want. We're 40 episodes deep and I'll say, look, let go. It does have a couple songs that are definitely inspired by new metal. I'll say that now. It definitely has a lot of songs that are not, but Hey, we did puddle of mud on this show. We can do Avril Lavigne. So there you go. Next you month, you have the chance to vote Cypress Hill. City Morgue, Stained, and Avril Levine truly one of the more chaotic foursomes we've we ever wild. put in the poll. We went wild, but that's what we do here at the PODCast. Uh, thank you so much for listening again. If you love the show, you can support us over at patreon.com slash the PODCast. You can vote in the polls and otherwise uh, show love to your favorite episodes over on our Twitter at twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. And uh, yeah, we hope you have a great holiday season, a happy and healthy new year, and we'll see you back here in 2023. Goodbye.